Uh, last week on Straight Talk Africa, you and uh, your guests uh, talked about uh, uh, the political crisis uh, in Burundi. What seems to be the problem? The problem is a bit historical. I think uh, there are elements in Burundi who are associated with uh, uh, tradition and historically having been in control of the country. Uh, and I think that uh, for the last 10 years, uh, they have sort of felt, at least in their own way, felt marginalized. Even though, when you look at the constitution of Burundi Paul, it's one of the most fairest, one of the most inclusive documents on that continent of ours. Why do I say that? For example, the last time I was in Burundi, which was back in 1994, Paul there was not a single commissioned army officer from any other community in Burundi other than Etutsi, which cannot even claim to be more than 13 or 14 percent of the population. And I remember asking some of the senior officers at the time, how come there are no Hutu army officers, which th this is a group that forms the majority, perhaps 85 percent over the population. They looked at me and said, Shaka, these people are not in the officer's mess where we are right now because they cannot pass the aptitude test to enter the military academy. I said, wait a minute. You can't tell me guys who can become doctors, who can become engineers, become lawyers, become anything else, cannot pass a very basic military aptitude test to join the military academy? Shaka, are you suggesting that uh, uh, what we are seeing in Burundi right now is beyond uh, the issue of uh, Tusi Hutu uh, since uh, they have an equal uh, or proportional representation of, uh, from both sides? I think that uh, it is basically political. Politics is about the power that allows you to decide and choose who gets what, when where and why. It is about distributing, for example, resources and creating opportunities and decides who becomes the beneficiary of that. And I think some of the Tutsi community, like I said earlier, having traditionally been in church, but now for the last 10 or so years, they have not been in church because guess what? The guys who could not pass the basic military aptitude test to join the military academy, some of them are now generals. And the army, interestingly, even though you look at the mathematics of the different communities, the army is inclusive to the extent that it is 50-50% Tutsi and Hutu. Nobody talks about Ganwa. Nobody talks even about the Batwa, the Pygmies. And when it comes to civil service and other opportunities, it is 60% in favor of the majority ethnic community, the Hutu, and 40% Tutsi. Even though, by the way, when you look at the very different political parties, you will find, interestingly, in the case of Burundi, unlike Rwanda, for example, that you do have both Hutu and Tutsi on either side of the aisle. If you're talking about the ruling party, for example, like, you know, FDD, CNDD, you do have a president, Pierre Nkurunziza, 
but you also have some elements from the Tutsi community. Uh, talking about uh, President uh, Pierre Nkuruziza, a, a lot of people say that uh, he's the reason why Burundi is going through this uh, uh, turmoil. Uh, could he be uh, uh, partly to blame for what's going on there? On the surface, that is the way it looks, because they say that he went for a third term, or as others say, of course, a third term. Third meaning S-A-D. But of course, when you look very, very closely at the constitution of Burundi, this man did not go for a third term. You could probably at best say that he was able to tweak the constitution with the support of the constitutional, uh, the constitutional court, which is made up of seven judges, but one of them, of course, defected and ran it through Rwanda and claimed that he was being forced uh, to choose wisely. The other six decided unanimously among themselves that the president was not violating the constitution. So if in fact is the constitution they are talking about, it is not in a violation. The only problem I think is that he should have looked for a political approach, an approach that probably would have uh, involved some kind of dialogue. This has happened in other countries, uh, Paul. For example, the founding president of Namibia, Sam Nuyoma, the constitution required that you serve a maximum of two terms. He served the two terms, and then he wanted actually to go on. So the compromise was, which was worked out by the prime minister then, Hage Geingob, who happens now to be the president of Namibia, by the way, under which President Nyoma, being a founding president, would be rewarded with one other five-year term. And that's it. Why can't uh, countries like Burundi, uh, countries like neighboring Rwanda, uh, Uganda, Congo, really borrow a leaf from, for example, Namibia? Because it seems to be appealing to, uh, at least to me. In fairness to them, they are put in a situation where they come up with certain policies, and some of the policies are not necessarily politically or environmentally friendly. They, in a way, uh, put them in a situation where a lot of people like them, but a lot of people equally dislike them, disdain them, perhaps because they have actually been victims of some of these leaders' policies. And so I think it is an issue of insecurity. People feel they are insecure. I've heard, for example, that uh, President Yoweri Museveni uh, says that uh, he cannot be sure. There's no one that can guarantee that if he left State House and he had no immunity, that the person who replaces him can actually protect him, protect his family. You are talking about his children and his grandchildren. Because, in fact, in a, some very interesting clip, He's quoted as actually as having said he retains power precisely because he has to do it for his family, for his children, for his grandchildren. I'm not saying that's what he said. Maybe it may actually have been exaggerated out of context. But I listened to his voice. I saw his body and the body language. He looks like the man who might in fact have said that. Mm. So why would he be doing that after 30 years? Obviously there is something he is unsure of. He does not feel comfortable 
living outside of state? Shaka, uh, the international community has come out strongly to, uh, uh, to speak against what's going on in Burundi. Uh, in fact, uh, last week, uh, the UN Security Council made a, a quick uh, trip to Burundi, but I don't think they accomplished much, uh, even though they met uh, with uh, uh, the ruling government over oh. there. Your assessment? Well, the international community, you see, I remember when I was an undergraduate student in New York, one of our professors told us that uh, when it comes to international law, he called it a jungle. It is survival of the fittest. Or it is those people who may be weak, but they know how to play their cards diplomatically in terms of how they relate to the powers that be. I think in the case of Pierre Nkurunziza, yes, he may be a nyampara, a supervisor of his people for someone else's interests. But it looks like, from what I have been seen, seeing, he hasn't obviously been an expert at doing it, just like some of his counterparts, for example, in the Great Lakes region. Look at Gwendolyn President Paul Kagame. I'm sure if you looked at how much money he spends at public relations, it's probably much greater than what he spends on agriculture in his own country, or education for that matter. But the question is, does it work for him? Of course it has worked for him. You have seen favorable yeah, press, media coverage over the years, even though right now, because he decided also to join the other big men uh, of shifting the constitutional political goalposts so that he can hang on to power, we are beginning to see uh, some media that used to praise him uh, right now uh, looking at him through different lenses.